Maruchan superfans are everywhere. From the busy moms who want to deliver maximum flavor in a flash to dorm room diners who want to put some slurp in their step. There are a ton of copycats you could use, but if you want to bless your bowl, there's only one true Maruchan. Whether you choose instant lunch, ramen bowls, yakisoba, or restaurant quality gold, Maruchan is the only ramen worth obsessing over. Smiles for all, Maruchan. See what all the ramen hype is about at maruchan.com. This episode is brought to you by Undeniably Dairy. Dairy farmers are more than farmers. They're climate caretakers. They see water as a precious resource. Most farmers recycle water up to four times, from chilling the milk to irrigating the crops. And some even use technology to turn manure into renewable energy. To learn more about what dairy farmers are doing to make their farms more sustainable, visit usdairy.com. Hey, you guys, welcome to episode 23, I think, of the Oh Crap Potty Training Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Glowacki. I am the author of Oh Crap Potty Training and Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler. So I, today, am doing questions from an Instagram post. I am going to intermittently, every every so often, post on Instagram asking for questions that I will answer on the podcast. We have quite a few, so I'm going to jump in. I'm going to gauge how long this starts to go. This might be two episodes, maybe not. And some of the questions are rather long. So maybe I won't read them verbatim. I'll kind of paraphrase. But what I might do is just like use your username so you know it's you. (laughs) And I do appreciate I had some caveats for this, which is don't ask me about poop on Instagram because I can't answer pooping questions on social media. They're very complicated. Most potty training questions are. So even some of these, I might recommend a course I have. I might recommend a consultation. I might, rec- I might recommend another provider because some of these things just aren't well suited. They're back and forth. They might be, you know, a lot of times the a consult is what's going to really get you through it because every kid is different, right? And it doesn't mean they're not ready. It doesn't mean they're not going to struggle. As you know, this is one of my pet peeves that like, If a kid struggles with something, all of a sudden they're not ready. And we don't do that with any other milestone except potty training. So again, if you have pooping troubles, get my pooping solutions course. And with that, I'm going to jump in. I also open the floor for parenting questions. So just so you know, I'm going to answer the parenting questions on my parenting podcast, which is, oh crap, I love my kids, but holy fuck. And the potty trainings I will address here. All right. Bonafide Bethany says, hi, my child is scared to sit on the small child potty. Her fear seems to be that she thinks she'll fall in. At least that's my best guess. And she doesn't really speak yet. When she attempts to sit, she is barely on. She waves her arms around like she's falling back and constantly reaching out for me to hold on to. What can I do to make her more comfortable and confident? She wants to use the potty so badly. Thank you so much for your time and knowledge. Okay, Bethany. So this is great. She's asking you for help. She's asking you literally for your support. So I would get behind the potty chair and hold her, let her, you know, lean against you. I would 100% hold her under the arms. I would let her lean into you. So when we translate behavior, which is what we always want to do, we say, okay, the kid's scared of falling in. How can I support her in feeling like she's not going to fall in? Well, I'll just sit with her. Yeah. So put it between your legs. And I think that should solve your problem, especially since you know, you said she really does want to use the potty so badly. That is awesome. I think that would actually do it. It's not that there's not much you can do. I think it's just helping her feel confident. So remember guys, in these transitions, potty training, I've spoken about this on the podcast before. 
it's this weird milestone that we kind of throw our kids to the wolves very quickly. We're like, this is the potty chair. Go on your own. And I'm not saying this in a negative way, Bethany, but I see this like in internet chats, you know, they should be telling me when they go. We don't do that with other milestones. When our child is on unsteady ground, when they're walking, we hold their hands. When they're learning to walk, we hold their hands for a very long time. Sometimes we carry them. Sometimes we put them on our toes while we're walking with them and, and help them walk along, right? We assist in other milestones that we perceive are joyful. We don't perceive this one as joyful, so we cannot wait to hit the finish line. So just if your child needs support, it's okay. We give them these crutches, especially if you're like one or two months in, they might need help. It's not one and done. It's not like a transferable skill. Oh, they know it. They're good to go. Some kids, yes, but some kids do other things well, and they're going to do other things poorly that your kid's going to ace. So don't be afraid to support them if that's what it looks like they need. Okay. I don't know how to pronounce this name. Evisk. You talked about potty training, negative feedback loops, and problems with self-initiating when you bring your child to the potty in this week's podcast. Any advice for how to get out of these cycles specifically regarding potty training, or is there something I can refer to back in the book? No, there's nothing in the book about negative feedback loops. Again, I wish my book were a living document. I learn things all the time. That book was written in 2019 and was published in the end of 2014. So of course, I'm constantly learning things. The negative feedback loop for you guys not in the know, I suggest you go back and listen to that episode. However, I'll just kind of sum it up. It's when you kind of get into a negative pattern of behavior where you're going back and forth and it is a phrase or let me give an example. It's like the child kind of does a little dribble. Then they say, "Uh uh-oh, I peed my pants. And you go, oh no, you peed your pants. You have to tell me next time. Come on, let's go to the potty. And they finish on the potty. Negative feedback loops tend to not be power struggles. They just tend to be a negative interaction that you guys have sort of locked into by default. And now it becomes this thing where the child's like, oh, this is how I go to the bathroom. So that's just an example of how it shows up. When you feel like you're in a negative feedback loop, stop your end of the talking. So it usually means that you're interacting with the child. So the child's getting that really cozy connection, that dopamine hit that they get, that oxytocin hit from... um. Is that the right word? Oxytocin is that? Yeah, Oxycontin is the medicine. (laughs) Right? But they get these love vibes from interaction with you, whether it's positive or negative. You have to remember that, right? So they're interacting with you. So you want to engage with them, but you don't want to engage over the same thing. So like, let's say it is that dribbling example. I would just stop talking about it. Get the child to the bathroom, have them finish and then come out and then give them something really positive. Like, oh, great job peeing on the potty. Let's go read a book. So you want to give them some positive attention without it being a prize, without like, you did such a good job on the potty. Let's go read a book. But you want to replace a negative interaction with a positive action and Part of that is just not attending to the negative feedback loop. It means you're replying, right? This is what happens when we try to move a child to the bed. The child gets up, we engage with them, we put them back to bed, but they want the engagement. So they keep getting up. So the solution is to not engage on that subject. Finish the task, do whatever needs to be done silently, and then provide some nice positive connection, positive interaction after they've completed the task. Okay, S. Junes. My son is two years and 10 months and potty trained, including his daily nap, but not including nighttime. He has been potty trained for about three months. He will pee in his crib as a way to delay nap, maybe one to 
three times a week. It's a behavioral issue because we have a camel. I have been tempted to put him back in a diaper, but I've not done it because I'm afraid it will be detrimental to his training. Am I doing the right thing or should I be putting him in a diaper for naps? My answer would depend on, is it affecting naps? Like, is it affecting his sleep? If it's affecting his sleep and extending the go down for naps such that he's not napping properly or napping too late in the day, absolutely put a pull up on. And when I say pull up guys, I mean diaper. It doesn't have to be a pull up. That's just a pull up is a diaper. And please don't tell me it's not. (laughs) Now, what I would ask, I don't think it's behavioral in a malicious sense. At his age, it's, it's like a, not a cause and effect. What am I saying? Oh, it's a limit testing, right? It's like, what happens if I do this? One thing I would do is perhaps you could say, oh, we have to go to nap earlier because you, you pee. I'd be curious if he's in a crib. I'd be curious if, you know, what that looks like, if it's a full pee and why you think it's a behavioral issue. In many instances, what we call a behavioral issue is more just limit testing, which is behavior. Yes, but it's not like a conscious manipulation. It's more like, the kid's actually saying, hey, Ma, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) And so that's where we set the boundary. So in that case, I would say, oh, darn, we have to stop playing early because, you know, you pee the bed and we're going to have to clean that up. So let's get going. And then, you know, that could have the cause and effect with them saying, oh, well, I don't want to do that. That could help. It may not. Uh, But generally speaking, if it's messing with the sleep, I would say just put the pull up back on him. You're not derailing me peeing the bed. I don't think it's about training. Do you know what I mean? If he's peeing the bed, he's going to get into a habit of doing that, whether or not it's behavioral, whether or not it's a manipulation, he will start doing it all the time. So I would just, yeah, I would put the pull up on him. No problem. We have a wandering freer says we have a 25, almost 26 month old who has taken to potty training like a champ, including naps and overnight. His problem comes when he can't also read won't try to pull his pants down and just sits on the potty with his pants and pees. He also doesn't communicate to us when he has to go on far rides. And so far rides are the only place where he wets himself despite pulling over and prompting him to go. How do we get over this hump with a kid who just doesn't like to use words? He's not officially behind in language development, but he's certainly on the low end of words. So you could approach this a couple of ways. You could give him a sound. So I know my son, like for some reason, when he was in public, he didn't like to ask to pee. So we made, he loved train. So he would go, hoo hoo. He would do a train whistle and that was his signal. So you can use sign language. You can use a sound and it doesn't have to be American sign language. It can be a, you know, put his finger on his nose or something like that. So if he's not using a lot of words, maybe he's just that kid who's like not using a lot of words. But I would say that, yes, on far rides, you are going to have to pull over and prompt. I wouldn't expect him to necessarily prompt in the car that some kids just don't really get that. I don't know why, but I would definitely either go on regular breaks or I would use a piddle pad or I would use some sort of diaper if you're on a ride that's going to take a while because chances are you will get an accident. Yeah. It doesn't say how long you are in the process, but don't forget that self-initiation doesn't come like it can come anywhere from like six to eight weeks into the process. So it can come earlier, but it's not reliable. So don't worry about prompting that. I get that question all the time. Like, aren't I making them reliant on me? In very rare cases, maybe, but most often parents try to take the prompting away too soon. So that's something I would say too. Okay, bamboo coaching. My five-year-old continues to wet her panties, no motivation to go to the bathroom to pee. Almost every time I take her to the bathroom, I find her damp. She doesn't pee completely, but it is enough to pass through her pants. It's not a regression. She's always done this and I don't know how to handle it anymore. She's too busy playing, no interest in stopping. 
I've tried endless tools that work for one week and then she starts doing it again. If it, this has been going on that long, I would actually go to a pediatric pelvic floor specialist. I have some recommendations I can give you if you DM us, but I have found that those are probably remote for you and that's not as successful with a five-year-old. So the dribbling has probably become a habit at this point in time. I never go to behavior first, you guys. I always go to a physical thing. We have to make sure that physically things are in line before we jump to a behavioral. And so the way you wrote this made me think that you think it's behavioral, such as you know she has no interest, she doesn't want to leave what she's playing. That is true, but most kids at that age don't want to wet their pants. So I really don't think... Um, it leads me to believe that probably there's something physical going on. And a lot of these kids at five years old, she was a toddler in 2020. You know, when we were on lockdown, a lot of kids lost muscle tone because of that, because of the conditions of lockdown, wherever you were. So she may just have like a weak core. She might have weak pelvic floor. So that's what I would recommend. I believe you. I'm sure at that age that you have tried everything. So, you know, we always say like, hey, if you've tried everything, it's not working. It's got to be physical. Because if you've tried, I'm sure you've tried rewards candy, whatever, promises of something. And if she can't respond to that, then we go, we really assume it's physical. But I don't like to do behavioral stuff first. Like I said, I like to assume there's a physical problem. Most parents think their kids are out to get them. And that is absolutely not true, especially when it comes to potty training problems. So bear that in mind. It's always, you want to shore up every physical possibility before you jump to your kids doing this. Even poop withholding. People tell me they're doing it on purpose. I can see him withholding. And I'm like, it looks that way, but it's because it's beyond his capability. And if she's five years old, a five-year-old starts to be invested in the social hierarchy, right? So if she's five years old and still struggling, she will go to what I call in my book, the inner fuck it, which is like, if I can't do this well, I can't care about it. Like you can't care about something you suck at endlessly, right? So it will look nonchalant. It will look like I don't care. I'm not motivated, but I doubt since you've tried everything that it is that I would definitely go to a pediatric pelvic floor specialist. Okay, my son is very good with self-initiation for poop, but for peeing, he has accidents if I don't take him to the potty. He's been in the training process for the last month and he's 26 months. Okay, so a couple of things about this. Number one, I already talked about self-initiation, right? So a month may just not be long enough. I do have podcast episodes already on self-initiation. Please go back and listen to those because there's like a way you can sort of bridge them to self-initiation if you feel like they're stuck there. However, I would say at a month in, if you still have to prompt, that's fine. But one of the things that is a little red flag for me here is I take him to the potty. So that would be your first step is getting him to at least motivate to the potty himself. Even if it's like, I'll be there in one second, you go to the potty, but don't pull out the prompting from under him. Prompting is okay. You guys, I've said this numerous times. My kid is 16 and I still prompt him. The difference is I can trust him. And also it's become the fabric of our lives. You're going to prompt your kid all the time for the rest of their childhood. It's just not going to be a fight. It's you're going to be, learn to trust them. This isn't a measurement of potty chaining. Like he won't go on his own. Like just keep, a, you know, by now you should know his pattern. So probably you have a good handle on that. And there are things. So like I said, I wouldn't consider a month a danger zone. I would consider six months in and literally no self-initiation. Then I would be like, ooh, yeah, you got to do something about that. But go ahead and listen to those other episodes on self-initiation because there's a, a lot of good stuff in there on like how to start that bridge for them. Okay. 
Ash, uh, 30-month-old, we started training at 27 months, and it's been a struggle ever since. We have a few good weeks, days, but mostly it's been a challenge. He will rarely self-identify needing to go, will refuse when we prompt, and never seems bothered by accidents. He's in daycare full-time. They require him to use a diaper pull-up. He hasn't gone once in that entire time on their toilet potty. What do we do? Is daycare holding him back? Is it all just confusing? Ash, I would really recommend a consult for you because that is taking too long to be such a struggle. There is too long for potty chaining and there's too little. Like I'm totally against the three-day methods, but also three months to be struggling like this. I tend to think he has an anxiety that's manifesting as like little shithead, (laughs) right? Like it seems like he's being contentious. He won't go when you prompt, but I bet that's an anxiety and it can be worked through. But I would definitely like let daycare use a diaper. If daycare has to use a diaper, they have to. It can still happen at home, but it sounds like such a struggle for three months. You can't be an effective teacher at this point because you've got to be exhausted. And he's been in process too long. So I would probably, if you can swing it, I would just jamieglowacky.com under get help. I have a lot of great consultants and I would start with that. And I would even like, I would tell them like Jamie said on her podcast, (laughs) she thinks it's anxiety because that's what it sounds like to me. Again, if a kid is anxious, a lot of times it will show up as shitty behavior or it will look like I don't care. It really will look like an F you, you know, so it looks contentious, but it can be an an anxiety. So we want to help the child work through that anxiety. It's never that they're not ready. That anxiety presents whether you potty train. I've had people start potty training at six years old. And the anxiety is there. The anxiety is there. It's something we have to work through. SM Kendall, we have a new baby and our daughter who's 24 months already potty trained. Thanks to your book is saying she needs to be changed, trying to put diaper cream and a diaper on herself. Should we ignore that behavior? Disagree and remind her she goes in the potty now, lean into it and pretend to give her a diaper change. Obviously would never actually put a diaper back on. No, no, no. Don't you have to do either. So you don't have to lean into it. I wouldn't address potty training in those moments at all. She doesn't want a diaper. What she's saying is I want to be a baby because the baby gets everything. Think about the toddler's viewpoint when a new baby comes into the house. This eight pound thing does nothing, has no skills, gets everybody's attention, just eats and cries. Like you can imagine your child is like, what the hell? Like I got skills. So it looks good to them. I think the biggest thing that looks really good to them is feeding. Whether you're bottle feeding or breastfeeding, there's an intimacy about feeding with an infant. Like think of how you hold your baby. I mean, I'm my ovaries are dinging right now just thinking about it, right? Like you hold them, you gaze lovingly at their face. There's like rubbing their cheek and your older child sees that and wants that back. So I talk about this in the book. I call it baby love or mama love. My son called it, mama love, but the kid who introduced this to me was a little autistic boy who he came up with it. He was like, he needs baby love. You could call it either. And it's when your big kid needs snuggles and I can guarantee it's not going to stick. And you can just put the diaper aside, take her into your arms and be like, Oh, you need to be a little baby right now. Give her that baby, treat her just like a baby. It will last like 30 seconds. I swear to God. And then she'll be like, okay, I got to go. There's a couple of things I want you to highlight and not highlight. We need to stop saying big girl, big girl, big girl, big boy. There's like a subtle shame in that when we say that and take it from her point of view. Who the hell wants to be a big girl? Why should I be a big girl when this baby gets everything for doing nothing? Like, again, that looks really good, right? <laughs> so so stop saying big girl, but you want to highlight the big things that she does, not by using the word big girl or you're, you're such a helper, things like that, but like, oh, wow. You know, I'm so glad you can help me scramble eggs. The baby can't do that. Baby just sits there and lies. So I would definitely say that. Another thing that happens with 
a new baby is occasionally, and I don't mean this awful, but when the baby fusses or cries, we jump to the baby and we abandon the toddler, like mid whatever. So sometimes be very conscious of that. If your baby is safe, if the infant is safe and you have like a minute, I'm not talking about high distress or anything like that, but I would say, oh, the baby can wait for a second. Let's just finish this up and I'll go get the baby in a minute. And so you can kind of give the big kids some priority because again, everybody jumps for the baby and the toddler gets left behind and that can cause this the child to be like, oh no, I want to be a baby. Just like, just like that one. <laughs> I don't know where to put this question about weaning. So I'm going to put it in potty training because that often happens around the same time as well. Any tips on weaning a very insistent two and a half year old? We're stuck at two times a day as part of our daily routine, a special cup, have a special drink to replace nursing isn't going to sway this little one. And making the sessions shorter and shorter isn't working either. We've talked about it. I feel like he's all like, yeah, sure, mom. He's potty trained, woohoo, two months ago and transitioning to the preschool month in three months. So it feels like there's just no good time. And I think any tricks, I think he's too old and smart for any of those tricks. I think it's just like, no, we don't do that anymore. I think you just have, it's got to be cold turkey. I don't think you're kind of expecting him to have logic. Like, oh, here's your special drink instead of my boob. Your boob's great. Like it's awesome and breast milk tastes delicious. So like why on earth would he... He's not going to fall for a special cup of what milk? Like that's gross. Like it's not gross, but it's gross compared to your boob and your, and your milk. Right. So I would definitely just cut him off and it's, it's okay. Two and a half is a great amount of time to have breastfed. And my midwife just gave me the best advice ever. I, I run into this a lot in my work, which is people get very tied to like doing it a certain time, doing it as much as they breastfed their other kids. And really when you want your body back is the time, like you've put a lot in. And so I really like that. I had a home birth with a midwife and she was like, you wean when you want your body back. And if you don't want your body back, then it has to be like at nighttime, you know, and you could just tell him at nighttime after school, you know, it's not necessarily that you have to wean because of wanting your body back or because school. But if you're going to cut him off, don't try to... uh, you're asking him permission, right? You want him to be okay with it. He's not going to be okay with it. He really won't. So now you have to lay down the boundary of like, nope, that's not what we do anymore. Vaginas are absolute magic. And Ollie is here to give them the respect they deserve. That means shame-free supplements made with clinically studied ingredients to keep your pH in check and your pleasure a priority. Put yourself on top. Go to ollie.com today. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. How long down the road of training is the right time to teach my son to point down his wee-wee when urinating? He's 26 months and has been trained for a month. How have you gone a month without teaching this? Is pee all over the place? Uh, right from the get-go. It's not far down the road at all. Like It should be right from the get-go. Hold, Put their knees together. Hold your penis down. At first, you hold it down. Put their knees together. And I get asked this a lot and it's a little confounding to me because I have like actually hands on potty trained a lot of kids and it has never been an issue. So don't overthink it. Just hold your penis down, close their legs. Okay. And then just pee. So don't make it harder than it has to be. Yeah. But I'm very curious what you've been doing for a month because (laughs) that's a pretty like fast thing that uh, I think. Okay, 24-month-old does an excellent job of telling us she needs to go potty at home and has no accidents, but at daycare, she won't tell her teacher. She knows them and is comfortable. How can I encourage her to be vocal and avoid the poop and pee accidents? Daycare is tricky. We'll never actually know what happens there. We'll never know what's going on. So I will give a couple of things that I give. I've probably said this in just about every episode. The biggest things are, do you have a system set up that the child can ask the teacher 
without using words. So you could give her popsicle sticks, index cards, anything little that she can, you know, like a trade. Um, I've worked with kids who just go and touch the teacher, you know, touch their hand or something. I don't know why, but it's like a, there's some sort of embarrassment factor sometimes at school, which is weird because peeing your pants would seem more embarrassing, but it's not. Be very clear. I, you know, go over who the teachers are. The thing about preschool and kindergarten, sometimes there's aides in the room and sometimes it's a little unclear who the adult is. And I know that sounds silly, but one of the biggest questions I get from children, and mind you, I'm 54 years old, is they say, are you a grown up or are you a kid? They like literally don't know because I, I morph into a five year old when I'm with kids. And so they, they don't know. And so make sure that, and I know it's weird. You, you think it's obvious, but it may not be. The other thing is, is there a system in place at school for if the child leaves their activity? So a lot of times at preschool, there are centers and there's only a couple of kids allowed at that center at a time. So if your child goes to the bathroom and loses their spot, another kid may jump in. They may lose their toy. So that could be happening. And so make sure that the child can either bring whatever they have with them to the bathroom or they can reserve their spot and come back to it. The other thing is, is your child the only one potty training? Or are there a lot of kids who aren't potty training as well? Because that becomes a hindrance as well, because the kid who's potty training is like, well, that one doesn't have to pay attention to this. I also recommend in, in daycares to have a bathroom buddy. So somebody who might be a little more skilled at potty training, they pair them up and they can remind each other. And sometimes that's an easier thing, peer to peer instead of teacher to peer. So the bummer about daycares, we'll never actually know. We'll never know how the teacher's prompting. We'll never know how you know, how it goes down in the bathroom. So it's a really tricky situation, but those are the big broad strokes, I would say. My son has been fully potty trained for two months now. And however, he will only sit on the little potty. He can hold it for an insane amount of time. So there's never a situation he has to use it. I remember you saying that you see potty training derailed by pushing this issue, but his dad is concerned. How long is too long for him to be using the little potty? Is that even a thing? It's not a thing. Their butts grow out of it. I've never seen a kid get abnormally obsessed with the potty chair. So I just leave it. Like, who cares if he's not having accidents, don't fix what's not broke. And dads sometimes pick some weird things to be concerned about. It's really no concern at all. And if he's doing the thing and he, cause he's not having accidents, I would say he's in good shape. And also two months, isn't that long, really. I mean, if he were like five and still using the potty chair, I'd be like, mm, we got to do something about that. But I don't see that at all. They do want to go to the bathroom at some point and they do want privacy, but Two months in, I would say it's still pretty new. So yeah. And also, hi, Katrina. Okay. We needed a reset with potty training our two and a half year old. Everything went smoothly when prompted both one and two, went on his own, et cetera. Then he got COVID and it all went downhill. We're nearing the start of week four of our reset. My questions are, does COVID play any factor in potty training? No, it does not. Number two, what if the same thing happens? Everything goes great until it doesn't. Your book mentions doing a reset once. I'm worried about him not getting it. And then he turns three and it gets much harder. Dude, why are you worried? He got it. He got sick. Like, I don't understand why you think he wouldn't get it when he got it before and it got derailed because he got sick, not because it all just went to hell in a handbasket. You know what I mean? So I don't, I think your fear is like completely ungrounded. He had it. So, you know, he can do it. And yeah, does COVID play any factor in potty training? It doesn't as the sickness, but you know, the lockdowns did result in lower muscle tone. So some, for a lot of kids that were toddlers in the pandemic or even infants, they, they lost some muscle tone. So potty training does seem to be taking a little longer, but you have a history. You have a history of the kid doing it. So I wouldn't worry at all. Catherine, transition to close. Is there some magic hack or is it just keep persisting? I don't know if you've read my book, Catherine, because there's a whole lot on that. I don't know what you're doing. I would say stay commando as long as possible. 
And page 112 and 113 of my book talk about the half and half, how to sort of hand the child success. I know those pages because that's how often I quote it. (laughs) So yeah. And I wouldn't keep persisting. If your kid is peeing through pants, I wouldn't keep persisting because all they're doing is using pants as a diaper. So that's my rule of thumb is that like you can't go endlessly, especially with poop. Two poops in the pants and that's it. The pants are a diaper. You have to attend to it immediately. And then... The peeing, same thing though. Peeing, you have a little more time. You have like a couple of days, but if they're just peeing and pooping in their pants all the time, you could probably have to start over. And then it might be good to get a consult just to see like what happened or what you're struggling with. How do I get my three and a half year old son to stop peeing outside in nature? How is your son only peeing in nature, mama? Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm in New England, so I would say just wait till the next blizzard. I would be curious, like, how that got started. I would be curious as to, I mean, I'd be curious as to like, what does that look like? Does he go out when he's at school? Does he go out of your house? I mean, maybe it's like locking the door. I don't know if he's outside and you're on a hike and he wants to pee like that. Yeah. You got to do that. (laughs) Or if he's just playing in the yard, you know, most people establish a pee bush in their yard for like the kids to use. But if he's only going outside, I would say, like, how did it get started? And then, you know, he's three and a half, so you can lock the door. But I feel like I'm missing something. So I don't mean to sound cavalier. I just am like, um, I'm not sure how it's all going down. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. My five-year-old has struggled with nighttime training and would typically wet the bed one to two times a week. He got his tonsils out this summer and started to really improve, only having a problem once or twice a month. But last week, he wet the bed six out of the last seven nights. I'm exhausted and frustrated and just want to help him figure this out for both our sakes. Okay, so night training, especially night training above the age of three and a half, four, I would look into the nighttime wedding alarms. These often hook up to underpants or they have therapy, which is like a pain mattress, and they wake the child at the first sign of wetness. And those have been very helpful. Night training accidents are never behavior. Please don't use a behavior chart. Please don't congratulate your kid on staying dry or punish them for being wet. It is unconscious peeing unless your kid is literally getting into bed as you tuck them in, whipping it out and peeing on the bed like in your face. (laughs) It's never behavior. And anything that comes with the behavior chart, I'm super against for this because you're punishing a child for something that's beyond their control. Even if it's not a consequence or an actual punishment, if they don't get a reward, they don't get a congratulations, they don't feel proud of themselves, that's a punishment. And so don't do that. But I would say this too. Listen, bedwetting has always existed. Is there a history of bedwetting in your family? Bedwetting has existed. There are going to be kids who wet the bed. It's just a very small number compared to the amount of people who don't want to do night training and use pull-ups as a crutch way too long, creating more bedwetters. The incidences of bedwetting go up 50%. If you don't attend to night training by 36 months, that's in the Pediatric Journal of Urology. That is not something I made up. It's not anecdotal. So at that age, I would say, you know, maybe he's a bedwetting. I would definitely look for genetic factors. Like does your husband or you have any bedwetting in the family? In that case, that that could be it. Talk to your pediatrician. There are some, you know, some topical things you can use that when I say topical, like um, I don't mean like on the skin. I mean, like there's a nose spray. There's some, there are some medicines that can make the child it's a long thing, but the ADH hormone is the antidiuretic hormone. It kicks that in. Some people don't have that and that's what makes them bedwetters. But it would have definitely, it should be when that hormone is released, it can take a little longer in kids, but not at five years old. So I would definitely look into the pee alarms. It's not about him figuring it out. Yeah. If it's that often and getting his tonsils removed helps, it does let us know that this is beyond his control. Yeah. 
22-year and nine-month-old is distressed by us wanting him to use the potty toilet at school. This is a long question. We thought we'd park the issue. He doesn't want to use the potty at school. They thought they'd park the issue for a while and try again when more comfortable at nursery. They've also moved back to London, new nursery school. It seems like he's thinking about it and only giving us a hard time while refusing. How do you handle potty training in challenging situations or when childcare is in the picture? I would let him use a pull-up till he acclimates. Those are huge moves for a little guy. And so let him come to it on his own. Yeah, I don't think there's any harm in that at all. I would definitely use the diaper. You can't just make it okay. Like huge shifts like that for kids are, they're big. They're a big deal. Uh, how to handle the newness of potty training wearing off when they get bored and just don't care anymore. Playing is more fun than stopping to go potty. And usually that indicates that you made too big a deal of it. So you don't like, this is why I'm against these. Like I read this potty training book where people like get balloons, make it a party. And I was like, really? Cause we don't do that for any other milestone. And then the kid is like, when they don't have the, the big deal. So make sure you're definitely just making it normalized behavior. And yeah, If the newness of potty training, I'd be curious how long you're into it because it sounds like he's pretty new at it. So yeah, playing is more fun than potty training. So you have to prompt them, you know, and that's when you get their pee pattern down, you get their signal down. So then you're, then that you can, you know, keep a loose eye. That's the whole point of potty training is, it's not the whole point, right? Potty training is putting pee and poop in the potty, but the bigger issue is finding out like the, the. See, this is going on too long, you guys. I start losing my words. This is exactly how I know when I've gone too long in a podcast (laughs) or a live on Instagram. Let me gather my thoughts. It's not just the pee and the poop in the potty. It is about learning their pee patterns and their signals so you can leave the house. You can have a life, right? And then you have a rough idea and you just get better and better at that, yeah? But it makes me think that he's still pretty new in this process. Okay, thank you for doing this. My 20 month daughters, two months into potty training, doing beautifully, except in car seats. We use a travel diaper for long car rides, but when she is taking a car nap in month one, but despite no travel in month two, she'll pee in the car seat even for a five, 10 minute ride. And she goes right before she gets in the car. Any tips? So number one, 20 months is the lower end of the spectrum. Yeah. As soon as they fold their body. So high chairs, car seats, those are all hotspots for accidents. I think she's just on the younger side to hold her bladder in that position. Does she pee right before she goes. So a lot of times I tell parents, keep a potty chair right in the garage, like, or in the driveway, like right, right, right before you're getting in the car, always ask to hear more pee. For some reason, creating the noise makes it better for kids, right? They have a better sense of, of trying to do it because they're hearing it as opposed to producing pee. So that also helps. But given her age, honestly, if you need to use a diaper for the car, I would, because that sounds frustrating to just go all Like if she's peeing in the car seat all the time, it must be a mess. Like you must be cleaning the car seat all the time. Yeah. And for little boys, like you have to, another mom commented, this is my kid. Even when I try to get him to go prior to the car, pee outside, pee on the tire. Like that's super interesting to boys. They love just holding that penis and letting it spray. So I would definitely get them to do that. The other thing that I would do if your kid isn't going before they get in the car, practice on a day where you're not pressed for time. You go, oh, okay, well, well, we can't go to the playground. We can't get in the car till you pee. I'm sorry. So you want to give like the natural consequence, which is, I wish we could go to the playground, but you have to pee first. So let me know when you're ready without getting into a power struggle. So that that can often get the kid peeing before you get in the car. 
rooted in the stars. I'm caring for my nephew full time who just turned two. He's very intelligent and communicative. I want to potty train him, but the parents want to wait two more months till after they have a trip because according to her, how inconvenient she heard it is to have a recently potty trained kid while traveling. She'd rather wait till he's closer to three because she's heard it's easier then, though she's willing to do it after the trip. Is it worth it to do it four days a week when he'll be back in diapers with them three days a week for the next two months? Can it do harm if I do that? They're open to me doing that, but will it not make it harder later on? I'd wait till after the trip. She's right. It's wicked inconvenient having a kid potty trained while you're traveling. And I always say, like, if you are traveling for two months and you planned a trip, don't screw yourself. Like, go on the vacation. (laughs) I don't do that, right? I would argue the closer to three, she's going to run into behavior if she waits closer to three, but just wait till after the trip. 100% you can't have potty trained. And if the parents are reticent, you're not the full-time caregiver. So they are, they're going to drop the ball. You know what I mean? And so it's just going to be an uphill battle for you. I always say, if you got a looming trip, go have fun, luxuriate in the diapers. Don't screw yourself. God, we have it hard enough. Enjoy your travels. Yeah. And it is very confusing. You can't have a child in diaper three days a week and four days potty training. It's very confusing. You're sending a very mixed message and a double mixed message because mom and dad aren't the ones really on board. You know what I'm saying? All right. Awesome. I got through all of them. I'm uh, eight. I'm going to go back to your question because it was long. We followed your book, Potty Training on Toddler, 25 months old earlier this year. She aced daytime training right away for nighttime training. On the other hand, we successfully went from two night wakings to one for almost a month in. And then there were some weeks where she would keep her bed dry overnight. We went on vacation four months ago, and since then, we can't seem to move back to night wakings without her wetting the bed. We're strict with the upside-down pyramid technique. We're stuck on a 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. wake-up, and we can't seem to move it even 5 or 15 minutes. We're hesitant to use pull-ups overnight because we've come so far, and she's confident and happy when she wakes up dry. Ah, am I training her to to be dependent on those times waking her up to pee? Do we keep doing this 10 p.m., 2 a.m. wake-up until she can stay dry overnight? Will using pull-ups overnight set her back? Please help. We both work full-time and we're very tired. Okay, so you're overthinking this. And I don't blame you. I'm not reprimanding you, but it's it's way too much. First of all, night training is fluid. So yeah, the vacation screwed her up. Okay, that's fine. The 10 p.m. and the 2 a.m. I would say is unsustainable, right? My goal with night training is often just to get the kid down to one wake up when the last parent goes to bed. So that's one thing I would try. You know, if the 10 a.m. and the 2 a.m. are equal amounts of pee, I would definitely try to edge towards just one wake up when the last adult is standing. I cannot stress this enough. It's a dial mover. It's a game changer. If your child is having fruit and or dairy after 2 p.m., this can be responsible for night accidents. Fructose and lactose irritate the bladder. This is a game changer. So I check in with that because I know fruit and yogurt's a huge bedtime snack. So know that. Here's the deal with night training. I think it should be attended to. Absolutely. I think if your child is up to, you know, 36 months and it hasn't been attended to, you have to attend to it as the statistic I quoted earlier from the Pediatric Journal of Urology. That being said, this is unconscious. She shouldn't feel happy and confident. If she's happy and confident because she's dry, I feel like that's often the parent putting that on. Oh, good job. I'm so proud of you. So don't put anything on her because any kid who struggles with bedletting long-term, we don't want to instill that right away, right? I don't think she'll be a bedwetter because she has a history of staying dry. But you can't, you guys, don't be afraid with night training. If you need to put on a diaper at nighttime, even if it's after one of the wake-ups, maybe it's just right before bed, 
don't worry about it. Night training is all unconscious. And while I think it can, it should be attended to, and some kids take to it like a fish in water, other kids, it's more of a struggle. And I don't want the whole family missing out on sleep. You can always put a diaper on. Everybody gets some good rest and then take a diaper off for a week. Like it's not manipulation. It's not a mixed message, right? And sometimes you just need sleep and sometimes you just need help. So I would not be afraid of that either. It's not like you're imploding the process, but don't put so much on her. There's there's a lot in this question that potty training is not always linear. It can be a cha-cha. There can be like steps forward, steps back. And if the child needs us, they need us, but you both work full time. So that's not sustainable. So I would definitely maybe do the 10 p.m. wake up. And then, you know, when you're putting her back into sleep and that wake up should be sleepy. If you guys aren't familiar with my work, it's not a wake up freaking party. Put a diaper on her and then just sleep till morning. Don't stress about it. Sleep is far more important. If you guys are all strung out and working and no, don't do that. Like really, I'm a real world potty trainer. I want you guys to attend to these things, but I also don't need you to be going crazy. Okay. All right, you guys, that's awesome. I got to all the potty training questions. Like I said, I'll do the parenting questions on um, my parenting podcast, (laughs) which seems appropriate, right? And as always, I super appreciate you. JamieGlowacki.com under Get Help is on my courses, consultants, all the things you need for help. And I will continue to uh, keep trying to post on Instagram, get the good poop word out there. Rock on, you guys. You have an awesome day.